Coming up on Stu Does America, all across social media, conservatives are finding themselves diminished, if not completely removed. How do you fight back against an organized suppression of free speech? Blaze TV's Dave Rubin is here to discuss. And faithful watchers of this show know very well just how awful Andrew Cuomo is. But are we supposed to finally get uh, consequences for his damn near criminal incompetence? Maybe we will. Thanks so much for watching this uh, stupid little show and being a part of the Cool Kids Club. Be sure to uh, share with your friends and family by sending them to stewdoesamerica.com where they can watch every episode completely free on YouTube, Facebook, podcast, and more. Or consider becoming a real member of the team and get access to all the great conservative content we have with a subscription to Blaze TV. Just head to blazetv.com slash stew and use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll get 10 bucks off. Conservative thought is a necessity for the progression of our society, not a hindrance. Let's remind the leftist morons over at Big Tech about this and do the conservative purge. Stew does America. You may have noticed that the president of the United States does not have a Twitter account anymore, which makes him exactly like all of the other presidents in history, with the exception of Barack Obama, which means now only black presidents are allowed to have Twitter accounts. It's true. I mean, sure, technically Bill Clinton has one, but that's mainly just there to pick up chicks. You don't want Bill Clinton sliding into your DMs. You don't want it. Needless to say, this is a big deal. And it's only the beginning. Conservative voices are being snuffed out at a scale never before seen. Notably, the Twitter alternative Parler has been removed from the Apple and Google app stores. And that's a big deal. A much bigger deal, however, is Amazon Web Services discontinuing their service of Parler. Now, not only uh, can you not get to the Parler app, you also can't go to the Parler website. Taking the app off of the App Store is a pretty serious injury that you need stitches from. Amazon killing off the servers with almost no notice is like losing your legs, losing your arm, and losing your head. It's difficult to keep going at all. In theory, there are other cloud companies that can help Parler, but AWS controls 33% of the market. I'm going to go ahead and doubt that Microsoft and Google are going to step up and help Parler. Microsoft is the next one at 18%, and Google is 9%. The next biggest is Alibaba at 6%, whose billionaire owner may or may not be missing for speaking out against the Chinese government. And I sort of doubt they're going to want to help Parler either. This is a crazy new line for web services companies. I mean. Really? Can Amazon really vouch for the one-third of the Internet that they control? Nothing worse than a bunch of conservatives talking to each other, with a few of them being completely insane? Really? Nothing worse? I sort of doubt it. Though I will confess that Lynn Wood is the worst thing on the Internet. Yes, I know you can probably put a hit out on an innocent nun for 2500 bucks somewhere on the Internet, but Lynn Wood is still the worst thing on the internet. Maybe it's just me, but I don't like the Democrats having control of the Senate, and I do like that we have a vice president that is still alive, unlike Lynn Wood. Call me crazy. Look, I'm not a big believer in the fraud thing, as you know, but banning speech is not the right way to handle this, nor is it appropriate to blame a website with a few million users for some crazy comments made on it. And by the way, Apple... Is so high and mighty, really? 
Can you imagine how many crazy iMessages and texts were sent on iPhones while people were planning this riot? And how many people accessed a terrible and illegal material from their iPhones? Should Apple ban itself? The mantra that still stands with the left is, of course, never let a crisis go to waste. Look, none of this makes sense. I personally guarantee there were more questionable comments posted on Facebook and Twitter than there were on Parler. That's true. We know that Parler is just the beginning. They will come after Newsmax and OAN and Fox Next. They will come after The Blaze and The Daily Wire and Breitbart and Rumble and all the rest. This is what they do. Never let a crisis go to waste. But it's not just the left at fault here. Back in the Tea Party days, we held rallies all across the country. Eventually, that led to restoring honor in Washington, D.C. with myself, Glenn Beck, and give or take 500,000 of our closest friends. It's a cliche that we left the place cleaner when we got there, or when we left there, but than when we got there, but it's true. One thing that was overlooked about that day was that Glenn asked people not to bring signs, not to dress up in crazy outfits, not to fight with any troublemakers who came by. And plenty of them did. In all the restoring events, and then on to conservative events we had nothing to do with, Glenn said again and again, don't let this happen. Don't allow yourself to get so fed up and so angry that somebody does something stupid. Because unlike the left setting multiple cities on fire, conservatives aren't going to get the benefit of the doubt. We don't get the mostly peaceful treatment. One little mistake by a few nutjobs was going to blow up into a big deal. And this was not one little mistake. It was a completely unforgivable national disgrace at every level. I don't have any ideological connection whatsoever with QAnon and the alt-right or the Boogaloo movement or break into Electric Boogaloo, for that matter. I want nothing to do with it and have nothing in common with people like that. But it's seen as part of the right, despite my very vocal opposition to that description. And they will use this incident to do everything they can to destroy the conservative movement. This one day of acting out will crush anything that the president or his followers accomplished. The main reason that you don't do things like storm the Capitol and injure police officers and cause death and destruction is because it's morally wrong. Number two might be that it's illegal. But down the list, away, is something else. The fact that it's not effective. It doesn't work anyway. And it causes a massive snapback against your movement. There will be a crackdown on conservatives that had absolutely nothing to do with the horror show at the Capitol. There's been a lot of talk over the last few years as to whether the right wins enough. But more important than that is whether the right continues to be right. It's not about choosing between fighting passionately or losing with dignity. You can fight passionately with dignity. The way you do that in this situation is to call out the bad actors and continue to hold yourself and the people around you to a higher standard, connected with the truth and fighting for what is right. After that, win, lose, or draw, at least you can be proud of what you're doing. Did you know that the average American has 97 points they can add to their credit score and have no idea how to get them? Scoremaster is the new credit science that super boosts your credit score. 
The average ScoreMaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. So say your credit score was in like the high 500s to mid 600s when you bought that new car. If you go to ScoreMaster first and raise your credit score, just the average 61 points that our listeners get, you could have saved nine grand on that car loan. Uh, ScoreMaster puts you in control of your finances, uh, not the banks. Enroll in minutes and see how many plus points ScoreMaster can add to your credit score. Just visit scoremaster.com slash stew. And the slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Welcome back to the program. Dave Rubin, host of The Rubin Report right here on Blaze TV and author of Burn This Book, Thinking for Yourself in the Age of Unreason. Dave, they've come to burn the book. It's here. Uh, Stu, for the record, you actually said burn this book, not don't burn this book, which is a key part of the message that I'm trying to get across in the book. So I I just want to get that out there real quick. I don't like to correct my host right at the top. (laughs) Uh, But yes, I don't want people to burn this book. And they're trying to burn everything right now. I mean, they're trying to burn social media. They're trying to burn the servers. They're trying to burn our ability to communicate with each other. And, you know, if we don't have that ability to communicate with each other and exchange ideas and debate all of the stuff that guys like you and I talk about for a living, well, then they leave us with violence. And I'm, I'm very worried right now that the more that they say, hey, the accepted sliver of what we're allowed to talk about in society is just gonna get more narrow and more narrow. A lot of the people on the outside are gonna go to other alternatives and that ain't good. It really isn't good. And you know, you've been talking about this for years. I mean, this is, not, uh, this, is, this is not new to you. This is not a new part of the game. You've been expecting this to come. It's here. I mean, are, is it worse than you thought it would be? What do you, I mean, this has got to be a crazy thing to kind of see all of this come together. It's been inching along for a while, but this feels like a, a real escalation. Oh, this is an extraordinary escalation. And I'm kind of in like half I told you so mode and half like, oh, man, I wish I was wrong mode. And, and the truth is, I really do wish I was wrong. I wish I had been being an alarmist about this or a nutcase or a conspiracy theorist. But I, I actually... Uh, had my guys go back in my YouTube channel today and try to figure out, you know, when I started talking about this and where I was talking about it and why I was talking about it. We have videos from five years ago when I started talking about, you know, a massive escalation of free speech online and that de-boosting and shadow banning and eliminating accounts and all these things were here. So I'm not surprised at all. And then when you couple it with what's going on politically right now, sort of the, the end of Trumpism around Trump, seemingly, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then also the rise of wokeism and, you know, really they're just smuggling it in through 78 year old Joe Biden. And we're seeing, as I'm sure you saw just in the last couple of days, Joe Biden talking about, we're going to give COVID economic relief help to people that are black and brown and Pacific Islanders, you know, basically saying, if you're white, you're not going to get help. I mean, these are ideas that are counter to everything in our constitution and and true equality, but these people don't like equality, they like equity. Anyway, the reason I link all these things together is because if you take a, a particularly bad set of ideas, which is wokeism and identity politics, the prevailing narrative of the day, and then you couple it with the power that big tech has, and you throw a couple steroids on that thing, you end up with this. So our work is cut out for us, man, but that's exactly why I'm thrilled to be part of the blaze. It's why I started locals.com. And it gives me purpose every morning I wake up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough battle ahead for sure. 
Can you talk about a little bit about the, the, the way this has escalated in a really uh, quick time? I mean, look, a lot of stuff has gone on. Um, it started out with, uh, well, we're going to, you know, the president's account getting banned is a, is a massive escalation of this. But even to the point, I, I think a really notable escalation is the Amazon Web Services angle here oh, yeah. with, with Parler. I mean, that, you're telling me that Amazon Web Services is not hosting all sorts of content that they should, you know, they can't possibly say is uh, is better than, you know, what's going on at Parler. These are these are massive escalations taking away the opportunity for anyone to even have a website at all. Yeah, well, first, let's do the other part, which is the Trump banning, because what's interesting about the Trump banning is that, you know, Twitter did it. It's a little unclear to me whether Twitter did it first or Facebook, Instagram did it first, or, but it was pretty close. And then next thing you know, it's Pinterest and Spotify, so they don't want him listening to music or putting up <laughs> recipes or, or, or the rest of it. And what that shows you is either there is an extraordinary level of, of coordination, right, when they go for these digital assassinations, or it shows you that they're all just cowards. And when someone makes a move, suddenly everyone's like, okay, I can make the move too now because somebody else did it and I won't be as mm. much in trouble as I might be the other way. So that that just, I don't necessarily believe they all sit in a room and coordinate everything. So it's, it's a little bit hard to say whether it's coordination or cowardice or whatever, that's one thing. But you're right that the Amazon uh, server situation is cannot be uh, overstated. The idea that they're going to just knock people out with no recourse who run websites. I mean, basically all the websites that everyone's using are on Amazon AWS, you know, and I want to be very clear as someone that's running a tech company right now that's designed to, to solve some of these problems. Locals is on AWS. I want to work with these people. I want to work with Stripe. I want to work with the existing structures so that we can build a better, freer, more open, transparent internet. I don't want to burn everything down. Uh, but the idea that somehow you, we can just knock off Parler as if we've done something good, well, just think of the amount of hate that's on Twitter. I mean, look at my mentions if you don't think that there's hate on Twitter. I mean, and, and joking aside, the amount of people that post Nazi imagery and, and all sorts of stuff. Now, Twitter can decide what it wants to do about that, but if, if Amazon and their servers are subjected to, well, people are being mean, people are being hateful, hate speech, all of these things, uh, which by the way, except for direct threats of violence are protected under the constitution. Well, we got a real slippery slope here. So this, this server thing is huge, absolutely huge. I think it seems to be that there's a standard that gets set up in these moments of frantic panic where, yeah. uh, where if a company is asked about it, they are required to say, of course, that we will not let them on. I mean, listen to this. This is an update from today. The lar list of large companies restricting or suspending political contributions toward people who are supporting uh, Trump and or, the, you know, questioning the election outcome. It grew fast today, including J.P. Morgan Chase, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Citi, Marriott, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Boston Scientific, Goldman Sachs, Dow, BlackRock and Airbnb. This is like 80% of our economy. <laughs> like they're, yeah, they are still. really going after it. And, and anyone who gets asked about it seems to just find their way to the right position. Stu, do we seem like a more free country today because of all this or a less free country mm. today? That's not, to, that's not to diminish the actual violence that took place. And by the way, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it was all Antifa people because no. it wasn't. I mean, mm -hmm. just just go to the reporting that, that our friend Elijah Schaefer did. Mm -hmm. These were far right people, okay? We know these were some white supremacist groups and the rest of it. There is absolutely no excuse for what they did to those police officers and breaking into the building and everything else. Not to say that there could have also been some uh, Antifa elements and everything else. But are we freer or not because of all of this? 
you know, what's going to happen as the as that sliver that's accepted gets narrower and narrower and more and more people, okay, you can't be on Twitter, you can't have a website, you can't bank with Chase, you're on a no-fly zone. Oh, and by the way, we're locking you into your house because of COVID. So now you got to stay home, you can't work, you can't be online, you can't get on a plane. What do you think these people are going to do? I mean, we are playing with such fire here. And unfortunately, we don't have adults in the room anymore. You know, there, there's a couple people trying to be adults. I like to think I'm maybe one of them. But we need to have some serious talks about what we're about to do here because we are, we are it is very obvious. People kept saying, oh, 2020 is over. Everything will be okay in 2021. Oh, you were mistaken. <laughs> uh, as a guy who wrote Don't Burn This Book, uh, covering a lot of these topics, and somebody who built their own company to deal with this, Locals, can you kind of explain what your thought was going into Locals.com? This is like a way to actually get people to, to have access to their audience uh, without all these middlemen. Yeah, look, I wrote, first off, I, I wrote the book because I was just laying out the principles I believe in and saying to people, hey, if you, if you agree, great. If you don't agree, great. But like, that's what America's all about. And uh, I guess I should have wrote, don't burn the target that this book is in because Antifa <laughs> burned down plenty of targets that had the book. As, as for locals, you know, uh, I felt that most creators want to be free. You know, I'm a, I'm a totally free creator. And then I have this fantastic partnership with The Blaze that distributes my content. And we have, a, we have a wonderful working relationship that we're working on expanding that, that I'm thrilled with. But what I realized was there are so many people out there that basically what they want is a digital home, right? The way the blaze for you, Stu, is your digital home. Well, most people don't have a network behind them. And I thought, well, let's build digital homes for creators where you can host your video, you can host your audio, you can have a news feed, people can post pictures and all of those things. You can sell tickets or whatever, whatever merchandise you want or whatever it might be, but you own it. And we're not a platform in a traditional sense. What we are is a technology company. So we're the, we're the home builders and then what you do with the home is up to you. I think we've solved about 95% of the problems for about 95% of the creators. I can't solve everybody's problem. You know, I can't solve Alex Jones's problem, and I don't know that that's the business that I want to be in. But I know that we've done a, a really nice job of cleaning up the internet. We have we have hundreds, well, now we have thousands of communities on Locals. People are, people are making money, they're exchanging ideas. And by the way, when you do something that's subscription-based, you eliminate all the bad, the bad actors almost immediately because trolls and bots and the really bad people, they don't want to pay for anything. They don't want to associate credit cards with anything. So my community is like a freaking love fest. It's, it's the reverse of what Twitter is. It's rubenreport.locals.com. But you may have seen just this morning, Tulsi Gabbard joined Locals. It's tulsi.locals.com. And we've got, we've got people like Greg Gutfeld and Scott Adams and all sorts of people and I don't, and by the way, it's not just a political thing. If you want to, if you run a baseball league, a local baseball league, you want to be on there, you're a video game guy, you're an unboxer or a knitter, you are welcome on locals. It's your stuff. You set the rules. And by, and I just to completely reiterate, it's not a perfect system, but I don't think there are perfect systems and we're going to keep working to innovate and hopefully be able to work with some of these guys like Amazon and Stripe as we build it. Well, luckily, I'm an unboxer and a knitter, so I would fit in uh, very well uh, over there. Um, uh, you can have our first <laughs> unboxing and knitting community because usually they're corded off. Those people hate each other. They you know? do. There's a huge civil war going on. I'm the one that's going to solve it. Um, it. Talk to me a little bit about because you come from a obviously at one point you were kind of on the left. Uh, but I kind of think of you as more of a libertarian leaning guy. And yeah. there's this struggle going on, certainly on conservative in conservative circles 
Um, and I, and I, the, people have been calling me this all the time because now that all this stuff is going down, they're saying, oh, well, they just told us all we had to do was build our own and it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's a good argument, right? I, I come from the libertarian side where I say, look, Twitter can do whatever the hell Twitter wants to do. You have a right f- to free speech. You do not have a right to an audience. You do not have a right to an audience on Twitter's website. You, I, that's how, that's my approach here. But there is a really understandable and pretty good argument in this environment to say that's not enough. We've got to do something else. Where do you stand on that? It's a great question. And I think this question has sort of pushed libertarianism to its end result in an odd way. If you believe that everything should be completely unregulated at every level, I love that intellectually. That, that is where my heart is, it really is. Uh, I like talking to ANCAPs about this. A guy like Michael Malice is one of my favorite <laughs> you know, libertarian ANCAP thinkers. I, yeah. I love the guy. Yeah. He wants no government. But I'm not there, I don't describe myself as an ANCAP. And the reason that I would always say, you know, I'm a classical liberal, an old school liberal, as opposed to a libertarian, is that I saw a little more utility for the government. Now, ironically, At this point, I don't even mind being called a conservative. I really don't. Um, I think conservatives have shown themselves to be open-minded enough and and a big enough tent that I think guys like you and I, let's say, Stu, we're on the libertarian side of conservatism, and then there's maybe a more religious side of conservatism, and conservatism has shown itself to be be pretty wide. That's, That's pretty fantastic. As for this issue specifically, you know, I've discussed this on Tucker Carlson's show a couple of times because he kept saying, break them up, break them up, break them up. And I kept saying, well, we need competition. Now, I don't know that either one of us were right or either one of us are wrong. I think you have to fight a war on many fronts. So for me, I did what was in line with what I believe and I started a company and and hopefully it'll be a piece of the fight back. If other people, maybe Tucker was right, but you know, in many ways the ship has sailed because now we're gonna have a a democratic led government. They ain't gonna help us on breaking up big tech because they like big tech, right? Um, So maybe Tucker was right, but it had to have been done already. So I think you have to fight things at many levels. Any war, right? You need Air Force, you need a Navy, you need troops on the ground, and we all can sort of do things differently. And I'm always worried when when you get these people that say, oh, you have to just say one thing forever and and never change on it or never understand that there's a little gray area, because this is a tough one. This is a tough one. It is, it is. And I I think I go back and forth on, on certain elements of it. Although, you know, I think, Generally speaking, as a conservative, I, I side on the uh, the side of wanting, you know, the companies to have the rights uh, to their their stuff. But I do understand the other arguments. I do worry, however, because there's a lot of talk on the conservative side about getting, you know, overturning Section 230 and and going down this road where there's going to be a lot more regulation from the from the government. And you know, as you point out, there are a lot of conservatives who want to break up these big tech companies. But so does Elizabeth Warren. Like Elizabeth Warren ran on that concept. And I think there's an issue here where conservatives might feel right now that this is a good idea. But man, when when government gets involved, conservatives in the long run do not win. They don't come out on the right side of these things. How worried are you about the overreach? Yeah, well, I would say at this point, I'm not that worried because now I don't think it's gonna happen, right? I mean, if, if, if Trump's done, it seems like he's done. If Biden's gonna be president, well then, they, they ain't gonna do it. Like, why would why would the Democrats wanna break up big tech right now when in effect, uh, big tech just does their bidding? Mm. So I think the ship has sailed, but the, the, the philosophical argument that you're making, the idea that you're talking about, yeah, we of course have to be worried about that. And, and by the way, that's what I was saying all along, like, okay, 
Tucker, who again, I really like Tucker and I love having these, these discussions, but it's like, all right, you wanna give the government to pow the power to break these things up or regulate them. And I said this to Tucker, what happens if Trump loses? Well, now you've given more power from big tech to big government and you take big and big and you make it bigger. Hmm. So there may not be a perfectly clean solution here. And again, that's why what I'm saying, what I'm doing with my company is I wanna figure out ways to work within the system. It doesn't mean that the system's perfect. Would I prefer that these companies not be woke? Would I prefer that they be more tolerant and, and be more okay with guys like us? Well, I, I sure would. Uh, but I think maybe working with them instead of threatening to destroy them might might be a better way of doing it. Right. And, you know, they're never going to make us happy 100 percent. But there should be a relationship here. And it does make sense long term. Uh, Dave Rubin, uh, this is there's no better time to listen to the Rubin Report uh, and, and watch it every day because, I mean, he's been on this forever. He has been in the middle of this. He's thought it all out. He's there. He's written. Don't burn this book. Thinking for yourself in the age of unreason. And of course, the creator of Locals.com as well. Dave, thanks for coming on the program, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Stu, if we're both still on the internet in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in Dallas. I think we can do it in person. Oh, very cool. And I will bring my knitting and unboxing tools and we'll get that all done. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, man. See you then, brother. All right, back in a second. So the uh, BioNTech company says their COVID vaccine is effective against the key new strains. They're going to be publishing more data in the, in the next couple of days. This has been part of a, a series of uh, encouraging developments, I suppose, about the uh, vaccine. Uh, they developed this. This is the Pfizer vaccine, the first one that was approved here in the United States. Uh, there's this idea that this new strain is uh, maybe evading uh, some of the vaccines. It doesn't seem like that's the case, though. It, it does seem like it is more contagious. They think about 50% more contagious. So if you had about a 10% chance of getting COVID in some uh, in any individual cir circumstance, it might be 15%. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when it builds on top of each other, uh, they do expect that the uh, more aggressive strain, the more contagious strain, will actually be the dominant strain here in the next month or two uh, in many areas around the world. In fact, I think one in uh, one country in Europe, it's already the dominant strain. Uh, so it's spreading very quickly. Hopefully these vaccines can go out as quickly as possible. There is one good uh, change that the Biden administration seems to be interested in making, which I would agree with, which is not holding back two doses for someone who uh, has to wait weeks for them anyway. So basically, like if there's two doses you have to take, uh, the initial approach was the thought of being, OK, We'll give you the first one and we'll hold that second one to make sure it's available for that person. So in whatever, uh, you know, a few weeks, they can come back and make sure that that dose is ready. Uh, to me, much better idea. Give everybody the first dose and then expect that the production is going to keep up and you'll have new doses to give the people when they come back for their follow up appointment. Uh, that seems to me to be really rational. A bunch of countries have started to do that. Some states have started to do it. The Biden administration is saying that's what they will do. I doubt there'll be many good decisions in the Biden administration, but this one I believe is a good one, especially considering that even if you only get one dose, you're getting most of the effectiveness of this vaccine. The Pfizer one in particular was something like 89% effective with the first dose. Second one boosted that up to like 95%. Uh, so uh, an improvement, sure you want that second one, but I'd rather have everybody get 89% uh, protected than half the amount of people get 95% protected. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit more as the vaccine uh, develops. There was a crazy tweet 
from Andrew Cuomo that I have to tell you about because it was agonizing. Uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, tweeted the following. Uh, he said, we cannot simply stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. The cost is too high. We will have nothing left to open. We must reopen the economy, but we must do it smartly and safety. And that's, uh, he was talking about his state of the state 2021. Um, who is this person? This guy who's closed down the state uh, since the beginning. You know, this is what's crazy. He, 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 he kept the state open way too long when they were in the real uh, throes of the worst part of the virus that has hit any individual area this entire time. He kept it open. It was like, oh, no, go down, go to Chinatown, go hang out, go on the subway. You know, just maybe like have a little bit of extra distance between you and the next person over. Um, hey, you know what? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit nasty, but hey, let's let all these uh, elderly people go into the nursing homes and we'll kill them all off. It'll be fantastic. He does that. Then when the virus goes away, he remains closed for far too long. Uh, and, you know, he's been flailing back and forth on these things the entire time. Now he's acting as if he's the one who wants it to be open and everyone else is trying to get him to keep it closed. This is insanity. I mean, he sounds like Donald Trump in this one. I mean, like when did Andrew Cuomo turn into Donald Trump? Give me that tweet one more time. Look at this. I mean, right here it says, you know, we cannot simply stay closed until the new vaccine. Wait a minute. Zoom in on the avatar a little bit. Oh. Something doesn't look right there. We'll have to get back on that. I know Don's had a little bit of free time without his Twitter account, perhaps. Hmm. Anyway, uh, one of the things that's the defining uh, issue with Andrew Cuomo is not necessarily that he's been wrong every time. And this is hard for people to understand. As a person and the purveyor of AndrewCuomo'sAwful.com, you'd think that I think he's wrong on every single decision. Well, no, he's just wrong on almost all decisions. But he, one of the worst parts of his leadership as governor is to flail wildly and erratically back and forth from saying we're never going to close down to closing down the state the next day, um, you know, back and forth and back and forth with policy after policy. Not, he doesn't make uh, well-considered decisions. And that is the worst thing you can do as a leader in the middle of a crisis. Here's another example. Andrew Cuomo came out and thought, well, my wokeness and my uh, my class warfare side of me says we better make sure that people aren't cutting the line. I don't want rich people cutting the line, getting vaccines. I don't want young people getting them. So if someone gives a vaccine to uh, a, a person who is not in the proper line, maybe elderly or a frontline worker in the medical field, then we will find them a million dollars. Okay, so what does that do? What does that do to your psyche if you're someone who's distributing the vaccine? You realize your entire life is over if you give the vaccine to someone who is not in one of these uh, first groups. All right, well, maybe that makes sense. Then everyone's going to want to give them to someone uh, uh, that's elderly, right? Well, the problem with this is there are issues that pop up. So maybe a vaccine dose has one more day or a couple of hours before it goes bad and you have to throw it out. Well, instead of giving it to an employee who's right there and is 25 years old and maybe not in the highest risk, but at least it won't go to waste. They've just been throwing them out because if they throw them out, they won't get the million dollar fine. This is how dumb Andrew Cuomo is. He's done this over and over and over again to the extent that he's lost multiple public battles with Bill de Blasio. That's how bad Andrew Cuomo is. It's almost inconceivable how stupid this guy has been. And the fact that he has any credit as, as if he's operated in some efficient, 
or admirable fashion during this crisis is absolutely incredible. It's as if we're living in bizarro world. So now Andrew Cuomo has, because he didn't actually consider the repercussions of his first action, has now reversed himself again to a totally different side of the argument and now says you can give it out to your younger employees that maybe aren't in high-risk groups. This is, of course, the correct decision, but it takes him forever to get there. No other states are having this problem. I mean, Cal, oh, Gavin Newsom did have that problem, but they've even changed the policy already. Other states are not having that problem because it makes a lot of sense to just say, I think this is a, a thing that anybody who's distributing the, the vaccine should be thinking about, is maybe you have a sign-up sheet that says, Hey, if we're having any uh, doses that are about to go bad, we're going to text you. Come on in and, and we'll shoot you up. These are uh, there's a, this is a resource that is finite right now and is important to protect it and, and get it out to as many people as possible. Uh, Operation Warp Speed must be completed. And uh, we'll see how that goes in the coming days. Also, the Cuomo administration once again is re- refusing to give out the details of what actually happened in the nursing homes in his state. After months of fear from mourning families, uh, the administration of Cuomo issued a report in July absolving itself of blame for thousands of COVID-19 related deaths in the nursing homes. Um, Of course, epidemiologists said the data did not back up the sweeping conclusions. Bill Hammond, who's been on this program before, senior fellow for health policy, the Empire Center for Public Policy, a fiscally conservative Albany bank think based think tank said it's common for the state health department to stonewall open records requests, adding, quote, it's fair to assume they're doing so because there's something they don't want the world to know. Hmm. Quote, they've made this extremely detailed analysis and are refusing to share the details necessary to fact check that analysis. I think it's fair for people to wonder why wouldn't they be happy to share it? That is a really good question and one I'd love to get the answer for, but no media members seem to ask him about this in any way, at least not with follow-ups. They ask him maybe once, let it go. For six months, the health department has claimed in response to the request, this is from the Times Union, uh, that it was engaged in a diligence search for the facility surveys, uh, even though the information had on the basis, of what, uh, excuse me, was the basis of that report in July. So they have the information, but they're con- con- They're going through this uh, diligent search to find the information that they had in their own report. And they don't have it in their own report. Then they lied about the report. Again, this is just a a constant barrage of lying from this administration. And at some point, somebody's got to hold Andrew Cuomo responsible for it other than just a mug. There's only one way you can hold him responsible at AndrewCuomoWasAwful.com. I just don't know. That's the best way. I mean, we're talking, everyone wants to impeach everybody these days. This guy gets a free ride. This guy continues in his job somehow. It's absolutely fascinating. They've gone back again to try to get these records. Again, they said, well, no, sorry, we don't have them. If you don't have them, you lied in your report, and you know you did. So hopefully some journalist who actually has access to Andrew Cuomo, because I'd love to ask him these questions. He's not coming on this show. I would love if a journalist would not just ask the question and say, well, uh, let me ask you about... These uh, these nursing homes. Oh, you did a report on yourself and you've exonerated yourself. Well, thank you for coming in, Andrew. Follow up. Ask him questions. Ask why he's bragging about the low numbers in the nursing homes when he supposedly doesn't have the low numbers in the nursing homes when he won't provide them. Someone's got to follow up on this. We'll see if that happens and we'll certainly keep you updated as we go forward. Andrew Cuomo is awful.
We're all looking for ways to save money, especially right now. So let me ask you this. How'd you like to keep, I don't know, an extra $961 a year in your pocket? Does that sound interesting? That's how much Gabby customers save per year on average on car and home insurance. That's why when I was shopping for insurance, I used Gabby. I did. I went through the process. You know what Gabby told me? You're not going to believe this. Gabby said, hey, we looked at your insurance and we shopped it around to all these different companies. And you know what we found? You got the best rate already. Sorry, we're not going to force you into some other kind of insurance. We're not going to say, oh, well, you should go with this one because we get a kickback. No. They just said, you know what? You're doing pretty well. Come back in a little while and check it again. Uh, that gives me a lot of confidence in Gabby because they could have they could honestly just told me they you know had a better rate somewhere else or whatever. I probably would have believed it, but they didn't. They said, stick with what you have. You got the best rate. Same thing they're going to do for you. And you know what? If they go through and they find a better rate, then they're going to tell you about it. And then you can switch. And you can save cash. They're not going to sell your data either. So no annoying spam or robocalls. You're probably overpaying on car and home insurance. See how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check, and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash Stu. G-A-B-I dot com slash Stu. Gabby.com slash Stu. Make sure to use the slash Stu part of the address, because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Gabby.com slash Stu. A lot of crazy stuff going on in the world today. A lot of major news events, a lot of really massive things. I mean, we not only do you have the, the stuff with the president and all the fallout on that and all the tech stuff. We all, I mean, last week was also the highest amount of deaths from the entire pandemic in the United States. Uh, people didn't even like notice it was going on. That's a whole other issue. But as if you know me, you know that I actually only care about one story today, which is the Philadelphia Eagles have fired coach Doug Peterson, uh, head coach of the Eagles, who brought the first NFL uh, Super Bowl championship uh, to the city of Philadelphia just a few years ago, 2017. In fact, he won the Super Bowl, then had two years in a row where the team made the playoffs. They had one bad year, and now Doug Peterson is fired. Uh, look, am I happy about that? No. I will tell you this. I will love Doug Peterson until the day I die because of what he brought to my, my franchise that had struggled for 60 years to get a Super Bowl. I will love him till the day I die. Uh, and I would have appreciated and, 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 and preferred uh, he had another chance to kind of put this thing back together. Um, but it is an amazing thing that now the way these franchises work in sports where a team could win a Super Bowl after 60 some odd years. And you know, just a few years later, after two super uh, playoff years in between, you have one bad year and you're gone. It's a little more complicated than that, but it does. Uh, it's, it's just hard to take. I mean, I can't imagine. It's going to be hard to, to lure a new coach to the team when you say, hey, well, if you win a Super Bowl and then make the playoffs for two years, but then have a bad year after that, we're probably going to fire you. It's not a great, uh, it's not a great uh, lure for, for a, a top-notch coach. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, but I will say I will love him till the day I die. On, in other news, um, the Washington Redskins – which, of course, is a football team. The Washington Redskins uh, had a, an interesting game. If you watched it this, this weekend, uh, they, their, their, their uh, quarterback was the, you know, this great comeback story. Alex Smith had a terrible leg injury, almost died from this leg injury. Uh, took a couple of years off, wound up coming back, leading them to the playoffs. It was, a, it was a great story, but he was injured, and they had to bring in their backup, uh, Taylor Heineke. Now, Taylor Heineke played really well in, in the, his game. Um, against uh, uh, Tampa Bay um, was not enough for them to win. Uh, not a huge shock. But there is a huge shock that you need to know about Taylor Heineke, and you're not going to like it. The man is a Trump supporter. Bastard. We're 
not allowed to have Trump supporters have jobs. They should all be fired from their jobs immediately. That's the truth, of course. Well, apparently Taylor Heineke posted some stuff where he uh, he wrote pro MAGA tweets. Mm -hmm. Then he also wrote uh, after (laughs) after um, there was a big a bit of a drama drama. There was a bunch of uh, killings in Chicago. And and that doesn't narrow down what weekend this occurred because it happens every weekend. But uh, his response to that was defund the police in all lower and uppercase letters to look like it was a deranged person typing it. You don't defund the police when you're in that situation was kind of his point. He posted other pro-Trump things, got beat up on social media over it. Because apparently, if you're in the half of the country that voted for Donald Trump, that means you're such a bad person that you can't even hold a job anymore. You can't have, people can't celebrate his success over a really good game in an impossible situation for the Washington Redskins. Uh, But apparently that was uh, too much to take. Taylor Heineke, now evil. You know, we started the show today talking about uh, big tech cracking down on conservative voices. We then had Dave Rubin on, who talked about uh, the ways uh, that they are cracking down on conservative voices. Here's Taylor Heineke. He's getting heat now because he just voted uh, for Donald Trump. The messages couldn't be clearer right now. You need to have a place that will protect conservative thought because it can't go away. It's too important. You know, I mean, I'm not saying my stupid show is important. There's a lot of shows here of people that actually are smart and do their homework and are really important shows. Uh, and, you know, The Blaze is a great place. If you ever thought about, yeah, maybe I'll get a Blaze TV subscription, but you never made it happen. Uh, maybe you're of that uh, persuasion where you're just like, you know what? It's for free on YouTube. Why would I bother? Well, it, it, maybe some of it's for free on YouTube now. How long is that going to last? I, I tell you, if you have the means and you want to support great conservative content, blazetv.com slash stew is the place to go. blazetv.com slash stew. You can use the promo code stew. You can save 10 bucks. Uh, But there's never been a time where supporting conservative content has been more important. They're coming after all of us. All we can do is stay together and make sure we can reach each other if these things happen. BlazeTV.com slash stew. Back in a second. Just want to remind you that if you are still watching or listening at this point, you did it. You made it to the finish line. You are in the Cool Kids Club. It's true. And you should be proud of that. And also celebrate by hitting the like button. I mean, you've been here this long. You might as well just click like right now if you're watching on the YouTubes or if you're listening on podcasts. We really appreciate you spreading the word of this stupid, stupid show. I do want to tell you, though, I hate to bring bad news to you at this late moment of the program. But true love, I thought, still existed. And the way I measured that was, of course, um, that a bodybuilder who has 99,000 followers uh, married a a sex doll. And you might think to yourself, how does that prove that true love exists? Well, if he could love a sex doll, then maybe there's hope for you and that person that happens to be alive that is near you. Maybe that can come together, too. He's loving a plastic doll. However, he seemed to have loved the plastic doll a little too hard. Because the plastic doll had to go get repaired. Now, I don't know how common, I'll have to ask Jeffy, I don't know how common uh, sex doll damage is in a relationship like this. But the the fact that she's in a hospital already is a little troubling. And he also apparently found a new friend that I'm not going to describe to you. uh, But I will say it seemed to be like a sex toy of sorts, meaning that he's already cheating on the sex doll after only a month. 
uh, of marriage. Very, very sad, troubling. I hate to bring you this sad news, but you know what? It's 2021. You should expect it by now.